As we gather on this Trinity Sunday, I would first of all just like to begin with saying thank you for a lot of you who have wished me happy birthday and give me birthday cards and um, even a lot of food, so um, I'm still working on it, but thank you for your gratitude and your thanksgiving and your well wishes and your prayers. But as we gather on this particular Sunday again, it's not Father Zach's birthday. I'm trying to celebrate the octave for eight days. Not going too well, but we're here to celebrate the Trinity, which is a core, essential mystery of our faith. And as we look at the Trinity, I'd like you to pull out your heritage missiles because that is actually the icon I'd like to preach on, which is on the front cover of your heritage missile. So if you could please pull that out, and I'd like to preach on that icon to show you a little bit of what we believe as Catholic Christians, and maybe open your eyes to the mystery. For myself, I'm a visual learner. I like to see and have things explained to me. And this particular icon is not a painting, so icons are written. And it was written by a gentleman named Andre Rublev in circa around, 60, around 1360. And he drew this icon, or wrote this icon, of the Trinity, and it explains a lot of what we believe, but for some reason we don't understand. In this icon on the far left is the Father, in the center is the Son, and on the right is the Holy, or I'm sorry, the Holy Spirit. And as this particular icon, what it's meant to show us is many things. And when we look at icons, a lot, the first question we should ask ourselves as we look into this window of heaven, we should ask ourselves, God, what does this say about my relationship with you? God, what does this say about my relationship with you? Because if we look at an icon and it doesn't affect us, that's not the icon's fault. That means something in the depths of our hearts and the depths of our soul is wrong. And what Jesus comes to do always through the power of his spirit, through the love of the Father, is to set things that are wrong and set them right. And we have too many confused Catholics, we have too many confused Christians in general who don't know this basic truth of the Trinity. So I'd like to show you a little bit about this. So this particular icon I preach on on Christmas. So if you were here for Christmas, this should be a little bit familiar. But this particular icon was written at the point of the fall of Adam. So the first sin. And the question that the Trinity is asking is who's going to go get them? Who's going to go get humanity back? Because God created man in his goodness and he loves mankind. He desires to share a relationship with you and I. But sin separates us from God. And sin is a choice to be separated from God who is love. And when the Father looks at the Holy Spirit and Jesus, he's looking at them and saying, who is going to get them? Jesus says, I'll go get them. I will go get your people back, Father. And for some reason, that doesn't seem to affect us anymore in our culture. We just kind of let it go past us. But our God loves us so much that he sends, a, he sends his only son to die for your sins and my sins, to be reconciled to him. And the Spirit hears this. The Holy Spirit hears this. And the Holy Spirit actually is looking away a little bit. Above the Father's head on the left is a home. 
to remind you and I, as we hear in sacred scripture, particularly on, or at funerals, is that our Father has prepared a home for us. And if we ever wonder why things don't feel right here on earth, it's because we're not created primarily for earth. Often we find ourselves going into habits that don't give us life, and we find ourselves frustrated or discouraged, and the Lord, through this icon, is trying to show you and I that our home is truly in heaven. In the center, we have the Son, we have Jesus, and he has a tree above him, and that tree is to represent the tree that he is about to be nailed to for your sins and for my sins to say that it's going to cost him pain. It's going to cost him blood. It's going to cost him death to save you from hell, from complete separation of the Father. And the Holy Spirit is bowing his head, and the rock above the Holy Spirit is bending to say, this is your foundation. This is the only human foundation. And as we heard in our second reading, this is the only hope. And we live in a world that simply seems to have lost all hope. And when we place our hope in things that are not Jesus, that are not in the church, our world looks a lot like like it does today, where people will worship politics, where people will worship sports, and they don't worship the God that is created to be worshipped, that we're created to worship. In between the three persons of the Trinity is an altar. And that altar has a chalice, which has the lamb for sacrifice in there. And that altar has four corners on it to represent the four corners to the earth, to say that God sent his spirit, the Holy Spirit, to empower you and I to go spread the good news to our neighbors to go tell people about this Jesus who is the only hope that will ever satisfy your heart and my heart. We're created, we ache for this hope, to know that we're worth it, to know that we have some value, we have some purpose, and we're called to go to all four corners of the earth. And in that altar, if you look there, there's a little square below it, and that is meant for all the relics of the saints who have died for our faith to remind us that it must cost us our life too if it costs God, his only son's life, to fill us with his Holy Spirit. And in that, in that altar, there's space on that altar as an invitation for you and I to start getting some skin in the game, to start taking some move, making some moves to start living in that spirit of truth. And the table is spread, the door is open, and the Lord says, come into this mystery of my love and then pour yourself out to others, even if it costs you your life. And we have to respond. We have to say, Lord, I come forward in this holy mass. I place myself on the altar. As you give me your body, blood, soul, and divinity, I give you my body. I give you my blood. I give you my soul so that my humanity can be risen up to your divinity. We just celebrated the Ascension, Pentecost, outpouring the Holy Spirit, and today we celebrate the Holy Trinity. 
But if we celebrate it, it has to pour out of us into everything we do. And the Spirit gives us creativity. The Spirit drives us towards truth, towards all truth, as we hear in our gospel reading today. And the Lord wants to speak the truth into your heart and my heart, but not half-truths. I think often we look at our culture and we fall into the habit of looking at half-truths. Well, that's good enough. But the heart of a Christian, the heart of the the human, is meant to say it's never enough. I will never be satisfied until every single person I know knows you, Jesus. And not just in their heart or in their head, but also in their heart through the experience of encountering him in his word, in the sacraments of especially the Eucharist, which we have on this altar here in a little bit, and the sacrament of confession, to know that no matter what, if you were the only person on earth, I would have sent my son, says the Father. And the spirit of truth convicts our heart of that truth. But for some reason, we've closed our hearts to that truth. And we live in fear instead of faith because the Lord wants to move us into conversion, but also to bring others into conversion. When we started Mass, we said, you know, who did you bring here with you? Who are you praying for and who are you placing on this altar? Because the invitation is not just for you and I, it's for every single person who is a human being. And there's so many people who are placing what is meant to be love in their hearts. They're replacing it with drugs, with pornography, with just dark, dark stuff, greed, lust. And our Lord says, no, enough. I don't want to see you suffer anymore, and I want to get you back, and I want you to bring others back with you. You're worth it. You're worth it. Jesus proves to us on the cross that you are worth it. And he calls out to you by name, who will go get them? And Jesus says, I come to get Tom, I come to get Sarah, I come to get Nate, I come to get Cole, I want to go get them, and I want to get them back. But for some reason, we are shutting that voice of truth up, and we're worshiping everything that is not Jesus Christ. And if we know that we're worth it, if we know that our life has value, we have to go transmit that to the culture. We have to share that good news and tell other people that they are worth it. And one of the biggest wounds in our culture today is what we celebrate this weekend. Besides Trinity Sunday, it's also Father's Day weekend. Our world is aching for authentic men. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 2 says, Take courage and be a man. But there's so many homes that are not seeing fathers lead, fathers protect, fathers uphold the dignity of women, fathers to show their sons how to be men. I grew up with a father I didn't deserve, hands down. My dad this past week had a, had a letter written about him in the paper. He didn't ask for it, but one of his seniors wrote it about him. And he coaches high school baseball. He's coached high school baseball not because he knows the game, but he coaches it to raise men because he's seeing what is devastating in our church today. 
That statistic that I've told you before that if children go to Mass on their own, which very rarely will they ever, but if they go to Mass on their own or go to church on their own, the chance of them remaining an on-fire Christian, to be a practicing Christian, is like 2%. If the mom brings them every single Sunday and the father is absent, the chance of that child being a practicing Christian the rest of their life is like 10%. But if the father is there, and the father is leading, and he's bringing his children to church, the chance of those children being practicing Christians is between 50 and 80%. And that's the effect of the father. And we're called to worship a God who calls himself father. And Jesus came to reveal the true identity of, of, of the father, to show us. And I was blessed, I've been blessed enough to have a dad who showed me how to be a man. And I blew it so many times, but he always reminded me of how men act, how to respect others, how to acknowledge the presence of another human being, which seems to be something that we have lost as a culture. We don't even say hello to one another. We walk past and we have our cell phones in front of us instead of acknowledging the presence of another human that Jesus died for. In that article that was written about my dad, the senior said that the first two years, he didn't like my dad as a coach. Because my dad would say, when you walk into someone's home, you acknowledge them. You say, hello, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. When you see a loved one, you give them a hug. When you get up in the morning, you make your bed to say, thank you, God, for giving me a bed to sleep in. For there's so many people who don't have beds to sleep in. And and my dad did these same things to me. And it didn't always make sense right away, just like it didn't for this senior. Junior and senior year roll around, and he writes this article that was found in the paper, and he talks about how he started to eventually see. And the, the, the truth for a lot of us today is we have to trust the process. We have to trust that we have to move into calling upon the Holy Spirit to be filled with that Holy Spirit, which always points to glorifying the Father, the true Father, who calls men to be men to uphold the dignity of women. Next weekend, it's Corpus Christi Sunday, where we celebrate the body and blood of Jesus, but also something's going to happen that's going to change the world. Two men who have been praying and forming themselves and dying to self will be ordained priests, who we will call Father. And I believe that the vocations crisis that we all talk about all the time, where are the priests, where are the men laying it down, I firmly believe that the crisis is in the home. The crisis is because men are not praying in front of their sons. Because psychologically, or subconsciously, if a boy only sees his mother pray, he's going to eventually believe that only women pray. So why would I ever want to be a priest? But if a, if a boy grows up in a home and he sees his dad pray, he knows that to be a man that we hear about, to take courage and be a man, men pray. And they pray in front of their wives and they pray in front of their children, even if it's uncool. Because the spirit of truth convicts their hearts to be men of virtue, to be men who don't care about the ways of the world, who only care about getting their wife, their children, to heaven.
We must pray and get on our knees and pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to bring us men, not boys like our culture seems to perpetuate, who are focused on what kind of girl can I get and what kind of car can I get and what kind of clothes do I wear and what kind of house do I own, rather than focusing on the call of the man which is to upraise the dignity of women, which is to encourage other men to live lives of virtue, to not care about the opinions of others, but to be only concerned as Jesus was, which is the will of the Father. So it's as we say in the Our Father, not my will be done, but thy will be done, which costs death to self, which costs pain, where I might have to enter into that tension and begin to pray in front of my family. At the ache of every heart of every boy is to hear these words from the Father. I am proud of you. Those words are the words that I heard from my dad at 3 a.m. as I left to go to seminary. I was on cloud nine because my dad affirmed my manhood, not my boyhood. As we enter into this holy sacrifice of the Mass, let us never forget our God who is Father, who sent his only Son to die for us, to get humanity back, to teach us how to be men and women. But particularly this weekend, let us pray for the graces for authentic fatherhood. For we worship a God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and he's not just one person's Father, he is our Father.